right, everyone. Welcome to another Monday edition of Hearts Home Half, now presented by Big Dog Media and hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart. So before we get into everything today, quickly, as I always do, if you want to find Hearts Home Half on social media, you can find me at Hearts Home Half on both Instagram and Twitter. Some big things happening on both of those platforms, so you definitely want to give me a follow and go check that out. So I'm so sorry. I've been gone for so long all of last week. I didn't release any episodes. I've been super, super busy, but a lot of great things have been happening. As you just heard in the beginning of the pod, Big Dog Media is now going to be the media umbrella that I am going to be under. Started by a couple of my great fraternity brothers. They're trying to get this company moving and off the ground. So please, 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 please go onto Twitter and Instagram and give them a follow at Big Dog Media on both of those platforms. I would really, really appreciate it. We're trying to grow this brand as much as possible. Another great thing under this brand as well. I've talked about it a little bit on this pod, but I definitely do want to start getting into that sports betting space as much as possible. So really great news. Go follow at breaking underscore underscore bets on Twitter. That is actually going to be a great uh, betting Twitter account that I'm going to be running um, with a couple of my buddies and we're going to be hopefully giving out plays as often as we can. We're trying to, you know, again, get ourselves into this betting space as, as much as we can. We know it's growing exponentially day by day. It's just getting legalized everywhere and we definitely want to get our foot in the door and start to start to build that up a little bit. So if you are interested in that at all, again, on Twitter, you can find us at at breaking underscore underscore bets pretty much just like a play on Breaking Bad. So go find us there on Twitter. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about right before I get into everything today is I've actually gotten a new position writing about the Rays for Rays Colored Glasses over at Fansided.com. I'm really, really excited to be an independent contractor um, for Fansided and get to be writing all about the Rays. I'm super, super excited to be doing this, and I'll definitely have to uh, you know, release more information about that on the coming pods. I'll be dropping links and whatnot so you can see different articles, but a really, really great position that I'm really happy about getting and uh, hopefully can uh, grow as well as this pod. So now let's get into some actual sports coverage. Today, though, we're going to go with baseball again, particularly the Rays and the Marlins. I mean, it's been a while since we've covered both of these teams, but we're going to jump right into it. The All-Star break has passed, and let's uh, let's kind of talk about how these teams have been doing the first half of the season, what we're going to expect in the second half. Let's start out with the Tampa Bay Rays, shall we? And I think the storyline that we've been talking about the first half of the season, injuries. Are there all injuries. This is really all of what this team is about right now. We can't get away from the injuries. There have been so many key players that have gone down in the course of the season, including Wander Franco, Shane Boz, Manuel Margot, Kevin Kiermeyer, even Brandon Lant- Brandon Lau went down for a significant period of time. Thank goodness he's back with the lineup now. But man, just a lot of names that have been producing and doing really, really well for this Rays lineup. A lot of cornerstone names too, a lot of leaders, a lot of guys that you want in that clubhouse playing for your team every single day. And there have even already been more players on the IL rehabbing from injury last year. So it's really just adding, no pun intended, insult to injury, putting all these extra guys on the IL when we're waiting still to get a ton of pitchers and even some position players back from injuries last year. Obviously, 
It's been really, really tough to overcome, but I think the Rays, for the first half of the season, they've really battled well. I mean, they're sitting second in the toughest division in baseball, the AL East, though I think they're still about 12 games back-ish of the Yankees. It's definitely helped us with the Orioles getting a leg up on them the past couple games. Um, but the the Rays, they're up on the Blue Jays by a couple games. They're up on Boston by a couple more. Um, and the Orioles, they're kind of sneaking up out of nowhere, like I just talked about in that fifth spot. I mean, the AL East is certainly the toughest division in baseball, so I will give it to the Rays for hanging around in second place right now, right under pretty much one of the best teams in baseball in the New York Yankees right now. Um, you know, for all of the adversity they've had to overcome in the first half of the season, I think they've put themselves in a really, really good position to compete in the second half. So right before the All-Star break, we talked about it. They took two out of three games at home from those red-hot Orioles to pretty much stay in prime position, not only in the division, like we were just talking about, but the wild card as well, which is going to be a really important piece come playoff time. As we discussed on the last episode, Shane McClanahan, he was the only all-star selected from the Rays this year, which is obviously a little disappointing for the franchise. I mean, you know, just only one player attending, you know, you obviously want to have more than that. Um, but it is really great to see Shane get the nod, honestly, as the all-star starter, as he deserved. I mean, his numbers have been nothing short of phenomenal in the first half, and he certainly deserved that nod to get the throw in the first inning. He's been the best in the AL and top in the league in most categories as well. Hopefully his pace just continues in the second half and he can keep leading this pitching staff. But I'm not going to lie, his one inning start in the All-Star game did not go as well as I thought. He gave up a couple hits, including a solo home run to Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, the whole inning, it resulted in two runs for the National League and he kind of struggled a bit with his command. But I'm really going to attribute that to the jitters and the butterflies for a guy that has never been an all-star before. He's now just thrust into the all-star starter role this year, one of the highest honors in the game given his performance so far. So it's a tough situation, really. I do get it. But damn, I kind of thought he would be way better in just that inning. Thankfully, though, those two runs were the only runs that the National League would score all night. The American League, they hit back-to-back bombs and eventually took the lead and the win, so Shane McClanahan was not eventually saddled with the loss, thank goodness. Still a fantastic achievement, though, from our guy, from the Rays, the hometown USF, getting the start as an all-star in, L- in L.A., good for him. So once the break ended, gotta feel good about the Rays coming out and cracking open a three-game road series against the struggling Royals of Kansas City, but again, did not go as well as I thought. They dropped two out of three games to the Royals. They only got a victory in game one on Friday night. Yanni Diaz continued to stay hot at the plate. I mean, as hot as he was before the All-Star break, he had a crucial three-run double to lead the Rays to victory. And Drew Rasmussen, he looked great on the mound as well, and only his third start back from injury. But games two and three did not go as planned. I mean, the Royals just jumped out to early leads in both games and held on. They didn't they just gave the Rays back-to-back losses 6 to 3 and 4 to 2 respectively Saturday and Sunday. And the starting pitching it just really didn't hold up too well for the Rays. I mean, the offensive power didn't really show as it did in game 1. Just that complete game really didn't come together as it should have in those two games against a very poor team. Again, the Royals not a great team so far this season. They're looking to trade away their best hitter in Andrew Benintendi right now. 
you know, though, though that was a series we needed to win, hopefully even have swept, but only come away with one win out of that series. Not the way you want to start out the second half out of the All-Star break. Just, again, scattered offense, leaving runners on base. It's not going to get the job done, even against a bad team like this. We travel to Baltimore tonight, though, to start a four-game set with those Red Hot Orioles starting at 7.05, so they need to get right tonight to maintain momentum in the division. All right, so let's do 180 now, and let's get some Marlins talk going as well. The storyline, I think, for the first half of this team, we've talked about it before on the pod, but close games. There, there's been an improvement, I think, for the Fish in this aspect for sure. But the lineup, I think, needs to get right on a way more consistent basis because they could really be on the un- other side of these one-run games way more often if their offense were to, again, just come through more consistently. They have a lot of power. They have a lot of contactability in that lineup. But it just doesn't come through and show in the amount of games that I was probably expecting from them so far this year. I will say, though, their pitching has probably been one of their highlights of the team so far. As we've talked about pod after pod, Sandy Alcantara, he has been one of, if not the best pitcher in the National League thus far. I mean, he really got robbed for the starter role in the All-Star game. Clayton Kershaw, whatever, the hometown Dodger was given the start, but I really, really think that Sandy deserved it. I mean, he has been such a workhorse for this team throughout the first half of the season. He has logged more innings than any other starting pitcher. He's had more games over eight-plus innings than any team combined in the the league right now. If you need me to repeat that stat, he has had more games that he's gone out there to pitch at least eight innings than any other team has combined with all of their pitchers. That is incredible. He already has two complete games. He has ridiculously high strikeout numbers to go with it. I mean... This guy really has it all. I mean, in the All-Star game, I'll give it to him. In the second inning, he was as dominant as he's been all season. He had a 1-2-3 inning, maybe 10 pitches max in the inning. He was he was filthy, as he's been all season as the ace for this club. But I also want to highlight Pablo Lopez's, Pablo Lopez as well. He's given a lot of quality innings to this squad, and sometimes I think he can get a little overshadowed by how much of a dominant presence Sandy is as the ace on that staff, but I will say Pablo Lopez coming in as that number two guy. I mean, he is really the that second guy that you want in a three four game series. You feel confident behind him that you're going to get a win. He's going to go out there give you at least five to six really productive innings, limit the hits, limit the runs, get some strikeouts here and there. But he's going to do a lot of great work for you, and that is just where I need. I I think. I think I need the Marlins to be able to, again, step up their offense, offensive production and provide that for this pitching staff. The bullpen, I will say, they've remained very solid for the most part of the season. They've kept the Marlins in a lot of the games that they really needed to win. But again, this is kind of where I'm, I'm having the problem. It's their offense. The lineup is as hot as cold as it gets. The consistency, what I, what I was talking about, we first started talking about the Marlins. They're as streaky as they come. The consistency needs to build as the chemistry builds as well. Because again, this pitching staff, I would say 80% of the time, they're keeping the Marlins in very winnable games. And the other 20% are just kind of like blowouts, tough losses you have to take. There's not too much you can do about it unless you get into a slugging match. 
But the hitting, I think, really needs to realize that these games, a lot of them, are very easily winnable. And like I was talking about earlier, their record could be way better than it is. They could just be on the other side of these one-run games. And I'm really hoping that the return of Jazz Chisholm, hopefully very soon, been dealing with, I think, that lingering hamstring injury, he should add some real juice to this offense when he's, he's able to return. Right now, though, it is a very tough spot. They sit fourth in a very tough division in the NL East. Just honestly, it looks as tough as the AL East right now. Though they do far surpass the last place Nationals. I would say the last place in the AL East, the Orioles, are way better than the Nationals. But uh, the, the Fish, they still remain a good amount of games behind the Phillies, the Braves, and the Mets. I believe they have what it takes to put together a pretty strong second half to at least surpass the Phillies. But I think it's going to be really difficult in terms of catching teams like the Braves and the Mets. Just how good they've performed in the first half. Uh, if they keep up that pace in the second half, they're going to be very, very tough to catch. But the Marlins, they really just need to be able to focus on their own thing, grind out wins on their own, and figure out any way they can to be able to put together those wins. Prior to the All-Star break, we talked about it. The Marlins, or maybe we didn't cover it, I'm not sure. But the Marlins, they got swept at home by the Phillies in three games. They really needed a reset. But it was kind of odd. They had a weird one-game matchup on Thursday after the All-Star break. And it was against the Texas Rangers. I mean, just not a series, just kind of like a weird one-game matchup. matchup. And the Fish got absolutely crushed. I mean, 8-0, to they took a fat loss at home. I know I was talking so highly about Pablo Lopez earlier, but you know this was just one of those starts the Rangers got to him early. They touched him up a little bit in the third inning and again in the fifth. He gave up five runs, five hits, three walks, and five innings. Not typical of a great Pablo Lopez start that I was talking to you about earlier. But these things just happen. He can't come out with a you know dominance every single time. He's going to have those those uh, those bumps in the road. And unfortunately, the Marlins just went down early. And the, with the Rangers just continuing to add on runs late, the Marlins really just couldn't get any runners in. Joey Wendell and Avisel Garcia, they had some they had multi-hit days respectively and some other hits sprinkled in there but nothing really productive enough to off- to overcome how just explosive that Rangers offense was that day. I think the craziest stat though uh, and I came across this after that game against the Rangers and this was even prior to the All-Star break when they when they got swept by the Phillies the Marlins had gone 34 straight innings without scoring a run. That is horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. You cannot have a streak like that where your offense can't even scrape one run across this board. Not like a wild pitch or like a sack fly or, or nothing. I mean, that's really, really pathetic. So going into now this series this past weekend against the Pirates, they needed to hit the reset button yet again. And this time, I think it paid off just a little bit. Uh, in those three games, they were able to win two out of the three. They blew out the Pirates in game one on Friday, 8-1. to one. Finally, after three scoreless innings, they were able to put some runs on the board and finally end that scoreless inning streak. Joey Wendell had a great 3-for-5, 2-RBI day, coupled with some big hits from Miguel Rojas, Avaseo Garcia, and among others. It was unfortunate, though. They dropped game two in those games that we've been talking about. One to zero. The Marlins were shut out yet again. Jose Quintana of the Pirates, he fired seven quality innings to shut them down. But the Marlins, they pitched very well themselves 
you know, they only held the Pirates to one run, and that wasn't scored until I think the seventh inning. So again, one of those situations where the Marlins pitching staff is really keeping them in this game, and they just were not able to overcome that one singular run the Pirates were able to scrape across the board. However, though, Sunday, yesterday, Sandy Alcantara Day in Game 3, very hard for them to lose on Sandy Day. Pulled out a nice rubber match win in extra innings. 6-5 to five was the final score. Sandy went 6 innings, had 10 strikeouts, classic dominant form. And it came down really to just RBI singles from both Miguel Rojas again and Nick Fortes to ride the Marlins to victory late in that 10th inning. So hopefully this series was a little get-right series for them, able to get a couple good wins over the Marlins. A tough 1-0 loss sandwiched in there, but they're going to be heading to Cincinnati tonight to begin a four-game series with the Reds starting at 640. So hopefully they can continue to stay hot against their National League opponent. So that's pretty much going to wrap it up for today's episode of the pod. Thank you so much to everybody who has tuned in today. Just want to reiterate a couple things for the beginning of the pod. Go follow at Big Dog Media on Instagram and Twitter. I really, really would appreciate that. Founded by a couple of my fraternity brothers. We're really, really trying to push this brand and this media company. So please give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. would really, really appreciate that. And make sure to tune in to this Thursday edition of the pod. I'm going to be having a very special guest on to talk some off-season hockey between the Lightning and the Panthers. A ton of moves, a ton of contracts, trades, drafts, you name it. We're going to talk about it, and that's all going to be on next Thursday's episode. So get hyped for that. And until that next episode, I will see you next time. (laughs) 